This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, I got to introduce a new segment. I guess you can call it a segment or a new type of episode that we're going to be doing here on the podcast feed. It's going to be called From the Senate with Mark Wayne Mullen. And so a lot of you guys became familiar with Mark Wayne Mullen last year because we had him on several times to talk about the runoff. He was going on against uh, T.W. Shannon for the last Senate seat here in the United States for the state of Oklahoma. But then we went all the way through the general election. And so in November of last year, he was elected to the United States Senate representing the state of Oklahoma. And then I pitched him on this idea like, okay, well, that's cool. We had you on a few times to talk about, you know, why you should be elected and all that type of stuff. But, you know, when we actually start getting down and actually getting to brass tacks and working through stuff, like I think the people in our audience would want to make sure that they're on top of that as well. Because on this podcast, we cover, we cover faith, culture, and politics. And so we don't always do those in, you know, perfect symmetry or any of those types of things. But there's a lot of things that are going on politically that are affecting us on a day in day out basis. And I want us to stay in on that. So what would you think about coming on once a month, you know, 20, 30 minutes and just talk about kind of what's going on legislatively and how that's going down? He's like, absolutely. Before I could even finish the sentence, he's like, absolutely, let's do that. So that's what we're shooting for. So we're essentially going to try to have him on at least once a month for a, for a short interview to talk about what's going on currently in the country, what's going on in the Senate, and to give us a view from his seat up there. Hey, there's only a hundred of y'all. Like what exactly is going on in the Senate? Now, in this particular episode today, we talk about, you know, how we were promised a red wave and then we got the red, red whimper. And he gives us, you know, his ideas as to kind of why that happened and and why it went down that way. We talk a little bit about the drama that went on in his old chamber, the United States House of Representatives, with the speaker vote around Kevin McCarthy and all the things around that. But then we got into some legislation that he's introducing. So he's introduced this legislative package that's talking a lot about energy independence and us here in the United States and how during the uh, Obama administration's some of the things that were done that hurt our energy independence. Then in the Trump administration, how for the first time ever we became energy independent and a net exporter of energy. And then with Joe Biden, we're basically going back to the Obama years, but a lot worse. And so we dig into all that in this. And so guys, you know, if you're a policy wonk or if you're really into the politics stuff, you're going to like these monthly sit downs with Mark Wayne Mullen. So without further ado, let's get into it. Mark Wayne Mullen, welcome back to Undaunted Life of Man's podcast. Thanks, brother. You look a little swollen. I'm looking at that shirt. Either you got schmediums or you've been okay. lifting a little bit. This, I've both. Okay. It, it is a large. All right. I've got XLs in the back as well. But yeah, you know, I've been getting after it a little bit. But hey, I don't want you to divert away from my initial question, which is do you expect me to call you Senator Mullen now? Is that <laughs> is that what's happening? Or can I just No, no, just call not you Senator. Just your honor. Okay. Okay. Uh, Mr. All powerful who is in charge of everything. Well, we're going to get right into it because it's been a couple of months since we talked. I was so glad to see that you made it into the United States Senate. Obviously we, we talked a lot about that at the end of last year, but it didn't seem like there were a whole lot of people that came along with you because we were promised, you know, yeah. this red tsunami. And then it was like, okay, maybe a red wave. Okay. Maybe a red, you know, trickle. And then I called it the red whimper. So obviously the Democrats kept control of the Senate. They actually have a one seat majority. They don't even need the tiebreaker vote. Uh, the Republicans took 
the United States House of Representatives by the, the slimmest of margins. And then obviously we still have uh, supposedly a Democrat that is alive and running the White House. So let's just talk about what went down, because, I mean, I got you to give us a prediction. I think you said we were going to end up with about 53 seats for the GOP in the Senate. It didn't go that way at all. A lot of people have a lot of reasons for that. They're like, oh, you know, bad candidate quality or, oh, everything was stolen and everything in between. So take me through what went down last November and why you think it shook out the way that it did. Well, you know, when we were talking about it, I said we had to win the independents. And right. I was very confident we were winning the independents. Our polling was showing us that we were in it, winning the independents. Right now, independents are the majority makers. Uh, and, and we only have traditionally carried around 26%, 27% of the independent vote since Ross Perot was, um, uh, was on the ticket. Yeah. And, uh, and so we had saw the trend break. We saw the trend that we were trending well over 50% with independents. And in fact, some polls had a size of 70. That's where we were looking at that red wave, but the independents are a lot of times issue based voters where, um, Democrats, Republican, they can deal with some issues they don't like you on because they're voting for the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's more on a person that they're voting for. So it's, it's kind of finicky there. What happened was, is uh, Roe v. Wade, abortion, pro-life, pro-choice um, uh, topic was like number 10. Highest poll had it number six, but uh, had it as a, as a very low issue because of the court's decision. N- nothing that Congress did because of the court's decision basically kicking Roe v. Wade back to the states. What the Democrats did is a very good job was uh, painting us as extremists. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't paint them as extremists. They came after us, painted us as extremists. And the, the, the uh, moderate uh, independents and, and, and uh, left independents left us. I mean, when I say moderate independents, the ones in the middle, they could go Republican or Democrat. And to the left of moderate, they left and they didn't come back and vote for Republicans. And instead of us getting uh, 50 percent, which we had to have that to get the percentages up, we were tracking back down to where we were at about 27 percent of the independent vote. And we just, we lost them literally the week of and there just wasn't wasn't any way to bring them over. So I remember saying uh, last summer, whenever Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey went the way of the trash bin, that that was going to have huge implications for November. But then just about every other conservative pundit out there said, no, 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 this isn't a top issue. Everyone's worried about, you know, inflation and gas and eggs and, you know, all these different things. And I was like, ah, I would like to think that most people vote with their brains, but I know better. Like I know that people vote with their hearts. And when you saw the amount of money, the the millions and tens of millions of dollars, the Democratic Party and the in the you know pro baby murder machine was pouring right. into ads in these places. I mean, again, we, we saw the writing on the wall in Kansas when it's like even Kansans were convinced that if a woman had an ectopic pregnancy that she wasn't going to be able to get treatment because Roe v. Wade was overturned, which is complete hogwash and has no uh, you know bearing in reality. So I knew that that would be an issue. But obviously, I think candidate quality did come have an issue as well because you, when you had certain candidates, and we'll we'll leave some of them nameless, but there were some prominent candidates that was like, is this the best your state well, could come up? with on the GOP side, I think that had an, uh, an impact as well, don't you think? Well, not Well, in most cases, maybe, but remember Fetterman got elected in Pennsylvania. Because Democrats will vote for anybody. They, they'll literally point, vote though, for a Democrat. So candidate quality doesn't make any difference. Republicans will vote for Republican. A Democrat will vote for a Democrat. Independents are where the swings are. And at the end of the day, you still got to run your own election. Uh, it, it, it's it's kind of like a primary at that point, right? A primary, you're all trying to get the same voter. And you just got to say your message differently and you got to be more likable. 
you got to have a great smile or something. I don't know. I would have lost if I had to worry about the great smile. But I'm just I'm just saying that it's it really comes down to the candidate and being able to articulate the message. We always are going to get outspent. We, you know, we're never going to be able to deal with uh, and match dollars for George Soros or um, or, or Bloomberg. Uh, or these super PACs that'll put in millions and millions of dollars into a race. We're just, we're just, we don't have the, that kind of money on the Republican side. But it's up to us to get the message out. It's up to us to run our effective campaign. So anybody can talk about whatever they want to about candidate. But that candidate won the primary. And so at that point, they are the Republican candidate. And then it is that candidate's responsibility to go speak the message to bring over those moderates uh, or those or, or those independents. And uh, and we just didn't sell that. I, I'll tell you in 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 uh, in, in, uh, um, in Georgia with uh, Herschel Walker, you know, I spent a lot of time down there campaigning with him. I was down there four different times and uh, and I, we just we just got beat on the campaign. Quite frank, the money wasn't the issue down there. There was more money thrown at that race than there are than there used to be presidential races in one right. state. So money, what it was complete, absolute saturation. But they ran a better campaign than Herschel Walker's team ran, and and I I was there uh, two weeks out, and then I was there the week of the election, and I came back and told my wife, I said, I don't think we're going to win it. Uh, his commercials weren't very good. He wasn't coming across right. He wasn't responding the way he needed to. Now, Herschel's a great guy, great candidate. It was his campaign that was running the team. But ultimately, Herschel's the CEO of the campaign, just like I'm the CEO of the campaign. Uh, but I don't think he had he had the right people around him, and uh, and he got outspent. You start looking at what happened in, in Pennsylvania. I mean, Oz, if you sit down and talk to that guy, he's phenomenal. He's a he's a great guy. Um, uh, uh, but the message that he needed to get out didn't get out. And what is that message? I, I don't know. That's up to the candidate knowing his state, knowing what message he has to give to bring over those individuals. I know this. There's a big difference between running a primary race, Kyle, and running a general race. Your message to some degree has to change. Uh, and if you alienate everybody and you're you're casting an us and them uh, projection or mentality, it is not an us or them. You got to get them to come over and vote for you. And so if you're chastising the individuals that you want to come vote for you all the time and tell them how bad they are, hmm. then that's probably not going to work. But if you're able to kill a, tell a vision of what you're going to do for them, regardless they're a Democrat, because this is what we're going to do for our country then that's a different message that, has, that needs to be told. And sometimes in these general elections, we got a we got an us and them mentality, which doesn't work in generals. Well, and you use the word message a lot there. And so I think that was the other thing. So so right now you're in the United States Senate and you're in the minority, but the the house or the chamber that you left, the the United States House of Representatives is now in the majority for the GOP. What some people are looking at, some Republicans or conservatives are looking at, is they're wondering what exactly is the message of the Republican Party. What what exactly are the things that we can all coalesce around and come around? Because that is going to affect how you will operate in the minority in the Senate and how your brethren over in the House is going to I mean, sure. operate in the majority. So I guess what would you say in general? Because we thought it was going to be easy enough to be like, well, the message is just like 
everything that Biden's doing, we want to do the opposite of that, which with how bad things were going, you know, for the first two years of his presidency, that's not a bad message. But then whenever the, the, you know, red wave didn't happen and we're kind of sitting in the position we are now, it's like, okay, what is that message? Because we got to have something clear before we get to 2024, regardless of who's representing the party. Well, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's 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 uh, everything that he's done has been bad. And let's right. let's talk about good. So let's talk about the opposite of that. But first of all, before you can start giving the message, you got to quit fighting with yourselves. And inside the Republican Party, uh, we had this term called a rhino. Uh, and uh, and I, I sit there and I look at it and I say, you know, a, a Republican in disguise, essentially. Is that what you're saying? And I get that some of these individuals, I mean, Liz Cheney, she wasn't a Republican. She wasn't even a rhino. She had no choice of being called. She shouldn't be called a rhino even. Uh, and I'd say the same thing about Kinzinger. But you start looking at some of these more moderate Republicans, because understand, not every Republican comes from Oklahoma. Uh, some of them come from California and New York, and those individuals are much different than what we are. Uh, that's why our representative wants to have individuals that represent our backyard. Uh, the, I don't care what Republican you are, mind you, minus Liz Cheney and Kinzinger, you Adam Kinzinger, you you have to you have to pull that out and say they're better than the Democrats. So what our message right now is unification. We got to unify our party. We got to quit fighting with each other. And um, there are some people on the on the Senate side and on the House side that that's how they get their message out by showing contrast, regardless of his contrast with with a Republican or contrast with a with a Democrat. Our fight isn't with ourselves. Our fight is against the Democrats that's trying to move us to a socialist country. And we have to realize that and understand that we need to set our differences aside. We've already had our conversation around the around the table. Our table was when during primaries. We had our conversation during the primary. Whoever won, we needed to come out. Our second time around the table was over leadership. I get that people have their feelings about McConnell. I have my feelings. Uh, everybody has their, their feelings about about uh, McCarthy. I have my feelings about McCarthy too. But they're the leaders right now, and and they're the they're the coach. They're making the play calls, and they won an election. And so we have to quit fighting with each other and understand. Okay, where where's our fight? Our fight is defend against Biden and this left takeover of the United States and trying to move us to a socialist country. That has to be our message. Our message is about freedom. Our message is about independence. Our, our, our message is about economy. And those things have to be brought to the forefront every single day and quit fighting with each other. So let's talk about the infighting a little bit, because I remember texting you whenever we were on the 84th vote for who was ever going to be the the Speaker of the House of Representatives, all this craziness that was going on with Kevin McCarthy. And I just got to be honest, as someone who likes this stuff, that likes the political stuff, and I've been caught, you know, watching C-SPAN from time to time, even I was bored with it. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, literally, I just paid $6 for a carton of eggs, and here we are, like, fighting about this, that, and the other thing. I didn't really understand it, and I know that you've gone on the record, but I don't know if everyone in my audience knows, but if you were still in the House of Representatives, what would you have done? So I guess, you know, what did you think about all the drama around who was going to be elected speaker, and then if you had still been there, where would you have voted? Oh, 100% I've been with Kevin every step of the way. Uh, but every one that opposed him knew he was going to end up being speaker. Why? Because no one else was challenging him. And that was right. evident on the second ballot when everybody pulled away from Andy Biggs. 
Andy Biggs had no chance of winning. And then they went to Byron Donaldson. Byron had no chance of winning. And then they just went all over the place. They went to Donald Trump. They went to Kevin Hearn. They went to Jim Jordan. They went to Donaldson. They went, I mean, they, they voted for everybody but Newt Gingrich. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just, it was so absurd. And they all knew the, the, the only person that, that was going to be leader or be speaker of the Republican Party uh, and of the House was going to be Kevin McCarthy. So it was mainly, it was for show. Uh, now they'll go out and they'll tout they got rules changes. Okay. They got rule changes. Let's talk about one of them. One of them was okay. I, I agreed with one of them, but we could have easily done that anyways with a debt ceiling increase. A debt ceiling increase, before you have a debt ceiling increase, you got to have a minimum of a 2% cut across the board. Okay. That could have easily been accepted because the old cut was 10%. Uh, so they actually went backwards from what it was because we used to have, if we couldn't have a budget and we couldn't have a debt, something that immediately 10% cut across the board would go into effect. So they negotiated, they negotiated 2%. Now let, now let's talk about, let's talk about the speaker, you know, being able to vacate the chair. Why was that removed to begin with? Cause they call this the Jefferson rule. Why was it removed to begin with? Because it did exist for 200 plus years but then the Democrats started abusing that when Boehner was in office and they were trying to vacate the chair. Because remember, it's not a Republican that can do it. It's a Democrat that can do it, too. And so they can keep us fighting every day if they wanted to, because any Democrat can walk in there, file a, a privilege re resolution to vacate the chair and require Kevin McCarthy to get 218 pe more people on the floor to vote for him. And they and it throws the whole con the whole thing into disarray. We had we had never done that. We didn't do that, but they did that to us. That's why that rule was taken out, and it was taken out at, not by the Republican conference. It was taken out by Pelosi because Pelosi didn't want that happening to her. Right. And then they talk about the amendment process that has an open amendment. There once again the reason why we pulled that away because when uh, when Paul Ryan was speaker. What was going on is every time we had tried to bring a bill to the floor, the Democrats would come there because it's an open rule amendment. They would come to the floor and they would file 160 amendments and they wouldn't have anything to do with the bill. They would just they would just jam the floor where we couldn't do anything because they were trying to keep Trump from getting anything accomplished. So what we did is we said, OK, it's got to go through rules now and it's got to be made germane to the bill. If it's made germane to the bill, then it can come to the floor. But if it's not to, if it's not specific for the bill, then it's not going to be this open rule process so we can get out of this. We still had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of amendment votes, but we we kept it from where they flooded the floor at the minute they walked onto the to it. So it was an orderly process. Well, they they tout their head that they got the they they opened the bills back up. I told my assessor, the guy who took my spot, I told him, I said these two big changes that you're touting about the uh, open amendment process in the speaker, I will I will be willing to say by the time this Congress is done, those rules are going to be changed. And so you fought for all these votes. You, you drug the Republican Party through the mud, uh, knowing when you first cast your no vote that you were going to eventually vote for Kevin McCarthy anyways for nothing. It was just for show. And I remind people up here all the time, Kyle, that people in this business – will hurt you a lot to gain themselves a little. And that was an opportunity for them to get a little notoriety. That was all that was.
Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, if if I had watched that situation and had seen something substantive change, I would have been like, okay, that was worth it. But it seemed like drama for the sake of drama. It seemed like they were trying 100%. to sell T-shirts and trying to raise money, which, you know, it was dubious. Well, I didn't really like it. Well, Matt Gates. Matt Gates is the... Matt Gates yeah. is who Matt Gates is, but he's the absolute worst showman. He, he his portray of what he is and what he really is is two totally different people. I mean, he he brags all the time on the floor that he's going to sell catheters every time he goes on TV. He doesn't believe what he says. It's just he's a showman and yeah. he's an actor, and that's what he does. There's a reason why no one came out and defended Matt Gates when he was accused of sleeping with underage people because all of us were like, yeah, we could see him doing that. Um, I'm not saying he did it. I'm just saying that there's a reason why someone accused me of that or accused McCarthy of that or Jason Smith of that um, or Dan Crenshaw of that. We'd all be like, heck, no, that didn't happen. Why? Because we know him. We know that wouldn't have have taken place. You didn't see anybody out there defending Matt. But let's talk about Matt. Matt went out there and threw a fit for no other reason other than he wanted to have the last word. He wanted to become the central of the story. He wanted to be known because ever since this whole thing about this underage girl came out about him, he wasn't getting the same publicity that he used to have. And and let me tell you, Matt's a great, he's, he's great at articulating his message. He can actually deliver a message well. But uh, it, the, the, the great example of this is when they were calling roll call votes and he just sat there. Why did he sit there? Because he wanted to be the last person to come in for Kevin. He wanted it to be all about Kevin. That's why they all ran over to him and he knew the TVs were going to be on him because Matt Gates should have been called early on. He yeah. sat there when they called his name and didn't answer. So purposely, the, the, the clerk would have to come back to him at the end of it, knowing that it would be his vote because he knew how close it was. He knew it was going to be one vote. One decision would have to be overturned. He knew that going into it. So what did he do? He sat there made everybody come over there, made the conversation all be about him, knowing at one o'clock in the morning, all every news station around is going to be covering Kevin McCarthy talking to Matt Gates. And then when he turned around and Kevin did one more, he finally did exactly what Matt Gates knew he was going to do. And he was going to be the person that was going to be all over news. So he could be asked the question, why did you change your vote? Well, and, and so it was nothing but for show. When, I could tell that he wasn't serious about the process whenever he whenever he suggested that Donald Trump be nominated for Speaker of the House. It was like, OK, that's cute if you're running a TikTok account, but not if you're representing, you know, a district in the United States House of Representatives. So, you know, it was just a crazy process I, and ridiculous. I don't but- know. I don't know how many different people that Matt Gates voted for, but I but I would, I would go back and find it. I bet he voted for at least four different people. Uh, and then he voted present at the end. Right. That just shows that they had no real challenge. That's why I said it was never a real challenge. Everybody there knew that Kevin McCarthy was going to be speaker. It was just a matter of time. It was just a matter of time how many votes this was going to go through before that took place. But we knew he was going to be speaker. Yeah, and it's kind of one of those things It's at the very least, if you take him seriously, it's like, wait, did your mind change four times that yeah. with all these different people that you voted for? It wouldn't make me no. feel very good if I were in his district. But I do want to talk a, a little bit about actual legislation because, again, you will be legislating from the minority. But one thing that is very important to you and also to your constituents here in Oklahoma is energy independence because sure. during the Trump administration, we were energy independent. We were a net exporter of energy. And there's things that, that you are ramping up to do from, from your seat to where you're introducing these legislative packages to really protect American energy. So I just wanted to tee you up to talk a little bit more about that. 
Sure. So uh, first of all, you can't talk about the economy and you can't talk about inflation and then serious about bringing it under control, bringing the economy back under control and bringing inflation down unless you're talking about energy. Energy is the backbone of every economy. Without reliable and affordable energy, you can have a reliable and affordable economy. Uh, you can't make a product and you can't deliver a product without energy. And a lot of times that product itself is made out of energy, meaning like petroleum. Right. The shirt, T-shirt you have on right now probably has a petroleum-based product in it. That mic you're speaking through is a plastic. It's a petroleum-based product. So you can't talk about anything uh, when it concerns goods, products, or, 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 or the economy without talking about energy. So when you start doing, when you start talking about that, what brought us to this point? Well, let's look at federal lands alone. Federal lands alone, just federal production. Uh, that's these are these are um, uh, acres of land that was deemed drillable. That this has been drillable since. I mean, you can go back to Obama, or you can go back to Clinton, or you can go back to Jimmy Carter. Some of this land has been open for drilling for that long. They have cut just under the Biden administration in the last two years has cut a million barrels per day production from being produced out of public lands. Now, contrast that with what Trump was doing. We were exporting almost that amount per day Right when, when Trump was in office, when we had low energy cost. So why is it that energy now is being a political ploy? It's because AOC and the environmentalist movement has made it that. So we need to take it out of hands of Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. is good at one thing, and it's playing politics. And politics is speaking to your base. Regardless of what the truth is, it's going to speak to your base. We have not curved one bit of appetite for petroleum products since Biden has been in. In fact, our appetite has increased for petroleum products since Biden's been in office. And we're making it up by still importing to this day Russian petroleum products and, 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 um, and crude oil. We're still importing at record numbers now, at the highest levels we've had in years, importing oil from the OPEC cartel mm -hmm. and asking Venezuela to help us out too when we don't have to. But it's because of politics, because day one, what did Biden do? Biden canceled the Keystone Pipeline. If he wouldn't have canceled the Keystone Pipeline, today we would be refining 800,000 barrels per day coming from Canada and our, and our, and North Dakota uh, products, refining it today probably down in Houston. That, that alone would eliminate our need for Russian oil and, and gas. The gas meaning petroleum gas, not, not natural gas. So we're saying, first of all, the first bill is the Cross-Border Act where we take the, the federal permitting process of the cross-border, which is a presidential permit, we take it out of the president's hands. And we say, since you're going to play politics in it, which, by the way, what investor would now invest on, on infrastructure, be it a gas or um, pipeline or a petroleum or a crude oil pipeline or, a, or even um, uh, uh, or power lines coming across? Why would they apply for that permit knowing that one president could reverse that the next day after billions of dollars have right. been invested in it? Right. And they went through all the processing of getting of doing all the, the studies that needed to be done. And they come back good and you go through all the litigation, which is what happened to Keystone Pipeline. Billions of dollars invested in it. And with a stroke of a pen, Biden canceled it for no other reason. So we're saying, since you're playing politics with it, take it out of your hands. Let's put it in DOE, Department of Energy, and let's put it into FERC's hands, who handles that, and allow them to do the, process, the permitting process. That doesn't 
That doesn't mean the government's not involved in it. That's just saying that we're not going to allow one person to make that decision who's 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 getting elected um, and he's he's speaking to the to one party rather than the, the, the well of the country. So we're going to we're going to put that in those in the proper agency's hands to handle that. And then we start talking about FERC or not fracking. I mean, uh, fracking was a renaissance that put us as in, being uh, allowing us to be net exporters underneath Trump. We became energy independent for the first time ever. Because of fracking. Fracking wasn't discovered by some federal program. Fracking was discovered and the way they do it. I mean, fracking has been taking place for a long time, but I'm talking about uh, vertical uh, or horizontal fracking, not the vertical mm-hmm. fracking. Uh, that has been put in place because of the the ingenuity and the engineers for independent or for independent oil producers, mainly Continental Resources, who really brought it to the forefront. Harold Hamm, who developed this into the technology it is today, he dealt with the states for permitting for fracking. Well, today the federal government is trying to say we need to control all permitting for fracking, which is absolute ridiculous. They shouldn't. It's always been in the hands of the state, and it needs to stay in the hands of the state. And if and if California doesn't want they don't want to go after the resources underneath their feet, then fine. Then you had the rolling blackouts and you had the highest gas prices in the nation. You deal with that. Yep. But don't, 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 that, that shouldn't affect Oklahoma because Oklahoma is going to do it. So we're going to say, allow Oklahoma, allow the states to make that decisions for themselves instead of some faceless bureaucrat in Washington, D.C. When you got to remember 96% of the individuals walking around in Washington, D.C. that work at these agencies voted for Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton. That doesn't that's that doesn't represent the rest of the United States. So we're saying put it back in the states. And then the other thing is the federal lands. As I spoke when I first started, the Federal Lands Act, which which um, the Biden uh, administration has attacked, and we're we're producing. Uh, they have literally eliminated over a million acres. That uh, no, I'm sorry, it's a hundred million acres. I think it's 113 million acres. They have eliminated out of production, which is a million barrels per day, which they have eliminated. Uh, we're saying if you're not going to manage it correctly, then once again, that land actually is part of the state that it resides in. So that state should make that decision for themselves. No one wants cleaner parks. No one wants a cleaner stream of water than those that live by it and swim in it. So who would be best to make that decision for the environment? Who would be best to make that decision for that uh, public land it's the people using that and that's typically the people in that state so they once again should be putting in that we're not saying don't don't have oversight we're just saying put it take it out of the hands of washington dc and put it closer to the people which is what we're doing here with these three bills so uh we don't have very much time left here obviously being in the minority you're, you've got an uphill battle here but kind of give us an idea of what what are the realistic chances of any of these going through and becoming law well, keep in mind, Kyle. The uh, the Senate is the is a voice of the minority. So in the Senate, you have a lot of ability to work. And keep in mind too, in the Senate, you take like uh, or in the House, you take AOC or Jerry Nadler. Who Jerry Nadler represents a, a subway stop, and AOC represents like four blocks. Uh, when I was in the House representative, I represented a third of the state. When right. you're in the Senate, you represent the entire state. So you're not dealing with just a small snap uh, uh, picture of just this one group of, of blocks of apartments. You're dealing with the whole state. So New York City is quite different than upper New York. And the politics is different. 
So when you start talking about energy and these individuals that they don't agree with what's happening in New York City, uh, they vote for for a, a Republican congressman up in the upper part of the state. You take the congressman from there and they have to, or a senator from there and they have to take that into consideration. And so it's a much broader look at the at where they're and where they're at and what they're supporting. So when you when we're having conversations about inflation and we're having conversations about the economy, there's a better chance that I can get something like this passed in the Senate than I ever could in the House. Okay. Well, uh, do you have an idea in terms of timeline, like when, when this is going to be officially introduced, when it could potentially be voted on? In we introduced it already this week. Okay. Uh, but unfortunately, Chuck Schumer hasn't gave us the ratios of the committees. And without the ratio of the committees, the committees can't be formed. And so until we can get into the committee and start working it, we, we don't know. I, I would, I would, this is going to, this could be something that could move fast. Yeah. Got it will because it'll be debated forever. But um, it, this is going to be a process that we're going to try to get accomplished, uh, it, it, you know, hopefully within a year. But who knows? Well, it's good to see that you're not just sitting on your laurels now that you're all important and excited. You're in like the most exclusive fraternity on the planet. There are less senators than our people with Heisman's, you know what I mean? So uh, that's a very, very cool thing. But man, we're, we're happy to have you on, happy to have you on in this regular thing because we'll be able to check back in on some of these pieces of legislation. But that's all for me. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest? No, I'm good, Kyle. Thanks for having me on. Mark Wayne Mullen, thank you for coming back on Undaunted Life Man's podcast. There you go, guys. I hope you enjoyed my time with Mark Wayne Mullen. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So I've got a link to Mark Wayne Mullen's website, but I've also got a link to the exclusive Fox News story where he talks about his energy policies that we talked about on this interview. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is our song Cutting the Tides, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album leveler the links are in the description i'm your host kyle thompson remember keep pushing back darkness keep forging spiritual mental and physical resilience keep seeking the lion of judah <laughs>